Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrislebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. really good. We've had a great day yesterday uh, with David and Grace for those who were able to come. And it's really wonderful to come again tonight and share. Who is any, any volunteers? Can I volunteer someone? Just open in prayer? Okay, thanks Mike. Father God, it's just so good to get to know you more. And Lord, we want more. We want more. Father, we want you just to uh, teach teach us your ways, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just um, open our spirits to hear what you've got to say, Lord. Lord, that um, we can simply get things in perspective, Lord, and we can understand, Lord, what our mission is here um, and what you've created us to do on this earth, Lord, and to be prepared um, for you. Uh, Lord, when you come for us. And Lord, we are looking forward to that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Well, um, last week we um, had an extra week in the Gospels because how could you do that in one week? And so we thought we'd have another week in that and just really focusing on looking at the difference between uh, the Mosaic Covenant and the new covenant, and highlighting the um, the differences between the number of covenants there. Some of you might obviously remember this next slide. Oh, it's probably gone to sleep. Yeah, some of you will remember this slide from last week, where we just had a re- quick recap of where we come from in terms of the Bible timeline, and we really started off there in uh, the Garden of Eden with a pattern of the kingdom, how God intended his kingdom to look like, being in complete harmony um, and no sin present. Then we went into the fallen kingdom, obviously with Adam and Eve, and then God went about reaching out to us again when we looked at the promised kingdom with uh, Abraham and the promise to him and his descendants, and then how that expanded uh, through Moses um, and the covenant God made with, with Moses and the people of Israel and we looked over that into the partial kingdom in Egypt and then in the land of Israel after that and then as uh, things got uh, a bit difficult for the Israelites and ignoring God God sent his prophets and so we looked at the prophesied kingdom that God was going to do something new and so for the last two sessions we looked at the present kingdom when the king came and so um, that was uh, really, really good to be able to talk about that and uh, what Jesus came to do in the first time. And so I just highlighted we'll be moving on into uh, a new phase tonight. And but that's one way of looking at the timeline of the Bible is to go through that. I hope that's helpful. But there's some distinct periods there where God's at work and God does. Um, um, we talked about God obviously doing work through covenants. And um, I think in talking about God's kingdom, we talk about uh, as Jesus came, he became a representation of what Israel was meant to be as God's people. And as God's place, Jesus became the temple. It says in, in, in John 1 that uh, uh, the word came and tabernacled with us. 
and um, rather than being separate. So he became as, a, as the true temple. And then he was also the true, true king who brought life. So we looked at the present kingdom in that context, but we want to look at that a bit more in terms of what it meant for us. And some of you might remember to show um, this in terms of thinking about us. Jesus said, those who do my will are my people. And that's God's place. will be those, so there'll be a time where we don't need to be in one place to worship God. And he was signaling to that. And that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And in terms of when we walk in his ways and his truth and his life, we're under God's rule and blessing, showing us how to do that. And the other key thing in there was just the word Father in each of those. Jesus was the way to the Father. And sometimes we forget that. We just say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But he was a way to someone. He was the way to the Father. And uh, we would worship the Father in spirit and truth. And it's the ones who do the will of my Father. It's God's people, God's place, God's rule and blessing. So we're just trying to highlight that in terms of being meaningful for God's people at the time. And then, here, we just see here on the top left, we then move in from the book of Acts to the book of Jude. Uh, so if anyone wants any of these slides, I'm happy to email them to you as well, if you would like them. So you just need to let me know that. And so we've moved on to the proclaimed kingdom when uh, Jesus gives his disciples a message, doesn't he? Yeah. And what was that message? Go and make disciples, that's right. And so we're in that phase now between Acts and the letters. So we're going to pick up on, on that tonight. And uh, just before we, I guess as part of that, when I say to you, last days, what would that mean to you? What do you think of that when you, you see the words last days or read them in the Bible? Sure time. What's that? Time is short. Time is short? The last few days before Christ will return. Last few days? Mm -hmm. The last uh, season Yeah, so there, yeah, there, there's, there's truth in all of those, but as, um, as uh, Catherine says here, in Acts, with Jesus' first coming, who would like to read that verse out for me? Elaine? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So does that mean if you, that means if um, you're you're not young and you're not old, you're not going to see anything. Well, Jesus' message was be be prepared. I think in that. And so, yeah. I thought that too, Mike, but then I realised that if you're not young and you're not old, you're in denial. Nice one, he said that in love, though, of course. I'm not talking about me. <laughs> I thought it was a word. The ones who saw the dreams ahead of time and the young ones coming through to fulfill it. Well, this is, this is what Peter says to us. Well, there, well, this is how I see it. That I will pour my spirit on all people, and your, son, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, yeah. right? and old, yeah, old men will dream dreams. Mm -hmm. And if you look in Acts, you, and... Uh, so what was your point again, Alana? So what I thought was old men are the ones who have gone before us, 
and who have kind of um, caused, I don't know, this is just me interpreting, call down the dreams before and then the young ones coming through are fulfilling what they probably could have fulfilled. I don't know. We're saying, it, well, it's saying in this period, in the last days, so it's a question of how long the last days, so this would be an ongoing thing that will be happening. Can I, can I just say, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. On all people. The spirit was, was, um, was given to, to the people on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, and from there onwards, um, they prayed for people and the Holy Spirit as a gift also came onto people. So from there onwards, the Holy Spirit were always there as a gift to, to come into people. The word of God also says to us, the book of Joel, chapter 2, mm -hmm. from verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Mm. So where did Peter get that from? From Joel. And I was going to say that when the, the first sentence, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, I sort of feel like that next part is just explaining what that looks yes, like. So that bit is the main bit, all people, what the sons and daughters do and the young and the old men do is kind of just a description of what the spirit is doing to all people. Yeah, that's right, that's good. Yeah. Did you want to say something, Julie? I can't remember what I was going to okay. say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, it says the, um, the last days in terms of this total period is up until the second coming of Jesus. And it says in Acts 1.1, 1, 1, Edwin could read that one out. The same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so that's kind of the whole period of the last days. And so um, it helps us to try and understand what's going on now. Because Jesus came, the king came, didn't he? And we think everything would be right and uh, he's the king. He's got all this power and that the world should be a happy place, shouldn't it? It doesn't quite work that way, does it? So, so um, we live in this, this so we've lived in, in this present age, age Jesus came. And after his resurrection and ascension, we... Essentially, the Bible says that we moved into the last days, and that. Oh, is it still on? It hasn't died, does it? Oh, I think my battery, my battery is gone. They might be in my office, Alana. Is there one? If the door's open. I'll just, uh, just stand here. So, the last days is, um, is that period, and so after, after Jesus ascended. And so, how long is the last days lasting? Nobody knows. <laughs> so they're still going on, aren't, isn't it? Yeah. I and hope so. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, obviously, Jesus coming was the, uh, you know, our. Let me just do it. Oh, great. 
And so they've been, yeah, they've been going on since Jesus ascended into heaven and our great expectation is of his ret ret return. There we go. Thanks, Edwin. Thanks, Alana. And so, yeah, we, we have this tension going on here is that Jesus came and there's still lots of problems in the world. And so we live in this thing that Jesus has, has um, come and uh, we have the kingdom now, don't we? With God's rule and blessing, God's spirit coming on people, it's happening. But the, it's not yet fulfilled or its forms, is it? Because when we look out, watch the news, watch everything on TV, we see things here in Morrinsville and across New Zealand and across the world. Is the world a happy place? No, there's lots. That's right. There's lots of things coming, going on, and so there's an anticipation that uh, Jesus has done something great as King, but His mission isn't fully complete. It was completed on the cross in terms of His work, but the consummation of the uh, age to come hasn't happened yet. And that's one of the tensions that we live in when people say, well, you know, if Jesus came, he did all these wondrous things, he showed his power, he defeated death, why is the world in such a mess? And um, after the last days, you can read this, Alana. This is... Matthew 25, 34. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So that's part of our, our future hope and inheritance is that when these last days come to an end, there is good news and that every promise of God will be fulfilled. So many of them have been fulfilled, but there's still some to be fulfilled. So why, why, why do you think God has delayed, not just, no, Jesus came, why didn't he just institute his kingdom there and then in its fullness? So most of us will be lost because, yeah. Anyone want to add anything to that? There's a verse that says, until all the, the people that had to come in are saved. It's not giving us a Mm. Yeah, but that's what he says. So we never know when the last one is the one who will be saved. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so God's got some good reasons for delay. And if he hadn't delayed, <laughs> everyone would have been in trouble. It's God's mercy. It's God's mercy, yeah. Mercy. Yeah. God's mercy. And one of the reasons here, you can read this, Julie. Um, 2 Peter 3 8 but do not forget this one thing dear friends with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day that's right so God's idea of time is not quite the same as ours is it um, we we want God to do everything uh, by yesterday almost you know and um, God's um, is if we're God's masterpiece, according to Ephesians 2.10, and then God's uh, taking time in preparing and finishing his painting. There's another reason here. I'll get Catherine to read this one out. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish 
for everyone to come to repentance. And that's right, and that's the reason we were, we were touching on before. It's a, that's, a God's, that's God's amazing love, isn't it? Is that he is, he's been patient, and I'm so glad he was patient with me. You know, uh, as, we, as we all are. And, and so there are, there are good reasons for, for, for God not enacting this. And um, people may say, well, well, God doesn't seem to be doing anything. You know, we, we can mistake God's patience as God being indifferent or not caring. But actually, it's the opposite, isn't it? God has delayed because of his care. And so we read in the book of Acts, you know, the Pentecosts, we're all kind of familiar with Pentecost. God pours his spirit on the, on the disciples and uh, empowers them. And then their mission was to go in and proclaim the gospel, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has that mission changed? No. no. So we have that mission as we're talking just before here. Is that that's still something very much we need to do? There's a lot of lost people around here, and so we're living in this this time here. We're being called to to um, proclaim the gospel. Now I put on this here end times. What does that mean? Anyone? What, what people think end times means? Yeah. Anyone else to add to that? Yeah. Leading up to Jesus' second coming. That's right. Yes. Yeah. They're all all right. So it's just a, a portion of those last days is what we coined the, the the phrase "end times." So it's only part of the last days, the final season of that. Sorry, I think it also goes with the prophecies. You know, the prophecies in the Word of God tells you when the end times, the end of days will be. And this is how we can discern if we are in the end times, the end of the last days. Yeah. I guess one of the trouble with that was, did, did Jesus tell which date it would happen? No. No. So we, no one knows. No one knows, that's right. But he gave us some signs, didn't he? Yeah. And that's kind of helpful, isn't it, in, in, in knowing the Bible, because it helps us to see some of the signs. Mm. But we don't know the 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 time or the date. Do you want to say something? <laughs> the word of God also tells us in one Timothy four, and I think this is referring to go to your next slide again, Richard. Which one? Previous one. The end days. Oh. Yeah. Now if you go and look at what that says, one Timothy four says now express the spirit expressly saying that in the latter days um, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience sheared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving um, by those who believe and know the truth. For the creature, for every creature of God is good. And it goes on and it says that these things will happen. That these are the, the end times that the Lord is talking about. People departing from the faith, departing from sound doctrine, um, keeping for themselves a lot of preachers to soothe their itching ears. Hmm. That, that's right. And then one says David was um, just um, this morning, through the morning service, David was saying, hey, we can't be like that. <clears throat> and we've got to hold on to the, the word of God. And so the end times, because there's no specific date on that, we, we get a bit of... We, we get a little bit um, into different understandings, different interpretations, what that might look like. 
and um, we're not we're not we're not saved by knowing the date of Jesus' return. <laughs> but his his key message was you be prepared and knowing your Bible. We were talking over the weekend. I think it was a uh, a pastor. Well, I think it was Harold Harold um, Rampling, something like that. He he was in 2011. He said we'll reach the end times um, in May. 2011 and so all his followers gave up their jobs sold their houses and gave everything away and what happened Howard camping that's right yeah so what happened nothing well then he said he got the date wrong and he moved it to October and what happened nothing happened and what did that do to the the faith of those who had trusted him well, the thing is that what they obviously what they were doing, they were following man, not the spirit of God. Yeah, and yeah, the spirit of, and the word of God, which which, which tells us we won't know. And so, there are some things we can be certain of, but there are some things that God hasn't told us about those, but we know they're happening, and we need to be prepared for them. And so that's important as we look at these last days, and then then they'll culminate with the return of Jesus. The most prophesied event event in the Bible is his return. I think it's over 300 times that event is. So out of all the prophecies, in about 735 prophecies, that's the most um, prophesied event. What's that? <laughs> no. So that, that's kind of, so he sent his disciples out in that context. And he said those end times will be a time of trouble, extreme trouble. But don't worry, I'm in control. Because that might be the concern. Jesus is the king. And the world may, may seem to be falling apart. He says, don't worry. And so that's why it's really important that we know his word. And so his disciples had to go out and explain it. Paul had to explain that. And then, um, uh, quite like this, this verse, that the Holy Spirit got, again, poured out at Pentecost. And I think it's Foster's turn to say something. This is from Isaiah 44, verses 2 and 3. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, who will, who, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, for I pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour, my spirit, pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Amen. Thanks, Foster. So it was no surprise, this was Isaiah 700 years before Jesus, no surprise that the, the Spirit was going to be poured out at some point, because it was one of God's promises. And so uh, it would help us to be fruitful. The land, we would be able to be fruitful, and, and the offspring also would be fruitful, empowered by the Spirit of God. And so as before Jesus started his mission, after he was baptised, and when he was baptized, he received the Spirit. And then he moved out on his mission. And he told his disciples, you don't go anywhere until you receive the Spirit. So you can go out in my power and strength. And so that was really important. So uh, this is all very intentional, what God is doing here. And so he called his disciples to go out to the Mediterranean. He called them from Judea, first place to Samaria. Pretty amazing then. And then to the rest of the Mediterranean world. And so, 
It's quite amazing, really. Just from a small backwater uh, at the end of the Mediterranean, cul-de-sac in the Mediterranean, that gospel went out. And uh, the disciples went out with God's power and trusting in the Lord that he would do more and that he would be with them. He would empower them, watch over them. And it's the same for us today, isn't it? They went out to a really challenging world. And if you know the first century world, it wasn't that much different from today. So, uh, different religions. If you uh, said the wrong thing, like if you said there's only one God, his name is Jesus Christ, in the of salvation, you were narrow-minded. If you wouldn't acknowledge the other gods, you were uh, ostracized in a town. You were being hateful. How can you not honor our gods of all these various towns? Yeah. Yeah. You join our trade guild, then you can trade in our town. Uh, but you just have to indulge in the sexual immorality and the drunkenness as part of that. But you'll be able to trade. If you don't go along with our standards, well, you can just go to the sides and uh, you can't trade to us, you can't do anything with us, you'll face penalties. And um, it's not much different today, is it? But they had the Spirit and God's presence and His power and one another. And so they were not able to take that gospel to the major parts of the, of the known world and it just kept spreading. So there's confidence there. And so, Karen, have you read? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. John 3, 5. Thank you. And so that's part of that message is that people to come into the kingdom of God need to be born again. And that was the message that they took out. And in the power of the Spirit demonstrated that. And so we've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit this weekend. We had a Holy Spirit seminar. I should probably ask you before I put this slide up. And um, so what are the things the Holy Spirit helps us to do? I've obviously given some of those away. <laughs> I, so I was put it up too fast. Well done. Yeah, and so we experienced some of that yesterday. That those that, that uh, those who were there. But one of the, the, the key things it brings God's presence. Or what, instead of being in a temple, being remote from us, God's presence was coming out. You know, the temple we spoke about last week. The curtain was removed. And what happens when the curtains from a house is removed? Sorry? Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's empty, isn't it? It's a vacant house. And that's what happens because God's Spirit comes out to His people and um, enables us to witness to Christ. But also it means that God's presence lives in us. We're in, we're in close contact with Him. And that's a wonderful thing. And so um, the, the Holy Spirit, His name is in Hebrew, is the Spirit of Holiness. He wants to change us into the likeness of his son. That's part of what he does. So, Richard, tongue-in-cheek, um, when does that happen? When somebody receives Christ or somebody is baptized by water? Okay. Well, that happens. There's no formula in that. But, you know, if you read different testimonies and different stories, I think you all have them. Things start happening 
at different times. If you read in, in uh, the account of the apostles, they've all been baptised in water. They, uh, on Pentecost, they get baptised by the Spirit. They go and visit Cornelius. And what happens? The first Roman soldier to uh, become a Christian. How did that operate? How did that, what was the sequence there? Hey, Bart? Oh, it's just said here, the Holy Spirit, the house of Cornelius. Yeah. So what came first, water baptism or the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, the opposite way around. And then they got water baptized. And so, but his heart was already seeking God. He was seeking God. But and if so, you go back to mm. me, uh, uh, <coughs> previous slides there, yeah. you were talking when Jesus mm. um, was actually saying, before you go out and minister, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. That's right, yeah. So that's to suggest so that empowered them. They, they yeah. didn't actually have the Holy Spirit. Um, and the reason I ask this is because there is teaching that goes, uh, uh, goes around that you do not, you know, you, 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 once you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit, which I tend to um, work on. Um, um, and there's other teaching. You don't receive the Holy Spirit until you're water baptised. And, um, yeah. and that, but it's going on there. The, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, yeah, we've got to be careful putting a formula around this. Yeah. And even in Jesus' miracles, he doesn't put a formula around that. He doesn't want us to say, this is the way to do it. So a lot of that's uh, about the heart. Uh, when you give your life to Christ, that's when... God's Spirit starts coming, comes in to us. So it starts from then, and it doesn't finish. Because Paul says, keep on being filled with the Spirit. And the word means to be continually filled. Keep seeking God. And here there was a specific impartation at Pentecost, because they needed some power, because they were going to do some major things. And that power is available to us. And sometimes God will give that to us at different times. Who, who, who pours out the gifts of the Spirit? Who's responsible for that? Who tells the Holy Spirit to? Jesus. So Jesus is the baptised in the Holy Spirit. He determines which gift everyone gets. But what are, they, what are the gifts for? Yeah, and building the church. So part of the Pentecost thing is, is you're going out to build the church now that Jesus had told Peter, and they were going to need some particular gifts and help to do that. Well, I was just thinking that in Matthew, <coughs> Jesus sent them out two by two, and he filled them with the Spirit to do that, and they were, and then they were filled with the Spirit at Pentecost, so they had, they were continually being that, up. Yeah. That's right, but it was a significant event in Pentecost. Pentecost where, hey, this is where I'm empowering my church now to go out. You know, it's a milestone um, in God's, God's plan. And so that happens. But the, the purpose of this is to, is to have a close relationship with God, his presence with us. We can communicate with him. Um, we have his presence and also his purity. Because I said that he's a spirit of holiness and that's what he wants to change us. And that's a lifetime journey, isn't it? The, 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 the Holy and Spirit, I would suggest, is actually um, seen by the fruit, the outwork of the fruit, fruit of your life, and you, um, it becomes more, uh, just going back to what you were saying, it's the continual infilling, and the more you seek Jesus, um, is more of the infilling that you actually get. Yeah, and so for certain seasons, God may give us, a, Jesus may give us a different gift. 
right? and, and so we need to be open to that in terms of um, the gifts of the Spirit. Can I just add something? The gifts of the Spirit is to me not only for the church. The gift of the Spirit can also work in, in your community because mm-hmm. it happens a lot of time, you know, when you're out there, the Holy Spirit brings someone to your attention and through the gift of the Holy Spirit you can go and work with that people and then God can come and do the work. So yes. it's not only for the edifying of the church, it's also to empowering to go out there. And the word of the Lord says it's by spirit and truth. You know, if, if you've got the truth of the word or Jesus come and live in your heart, by the spirit you get the power to go out and he is doing the work through the, the, the gift that he is now operating through you. That's right. So and, yeah, so part of having that presence, yeah. we talked about yesterday, is sometimes when you, you, God may prompt us to go and talk to someone. Yeah. And if you need to pray for someone, we, we, we practice yesterday. Well, first, we probably want to ask God, what does he want to say? And as he says to us, then we pray for them. And that's kind of part of it. That's about having his presence and then the power in some of those gifts. God may give us a word of knowledge, a picture, or a prophetic word. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's the spirit then working in being a witness, you know. And so, you know, um, we saw that in the church last Sunday when uh, someone had a had a, a word and it spoke to one person in particular from an event 15 years ago, really specific. And so that person knew God was speaking to them. And who does that encourage? Everyone, doesn't it? The person who receives it, the person who gave it. And so, yeah, so the spirit there is um, there, but we, we don't seek the, you know, the, uh, we can easily get focused on the gifts and argue about who's got the best gift that's what happened in Corinth. It's like arguing who had the best gifts. And that caused problems. And Paul says you've lost sight. He talks about gifts, but he talks about gifts with love and gifts without love. And so they're essential there is that the gifts there are to enable us to bear witness to God. Oh, here's Alana. Um, I just want to throw something in the, in the span of the works. Um, just, just the thought came to mind about, okay, yeah, those of us who know God and have given our hearts to God, but just but the gifts God will give to even those who don't know Him is that correct, Richard? Because they haven't come to know God yet, but but they have those gifts in them. Does that make sense? I'm not the, sure the, the, the gift of the yeah. So these gifts here, like the gifts of prophecy, speaking tongues, interpreting tongues, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, faith. Healing, these are gifts that God is giving to his people for the building of his body. So he's giving it to us to help build. God, God, God may speak through non-Christians, and we see that all the time. You just have to look in, 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 in the Bible time. Cyrus, king of Persia, God was speaking through him. King Nebuchadnezzar, and a donkey. Isn't that great? God spoke through a donkey. He still does. <laughs> Nice one. Lay off my pastor. <laughs> 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 Was that interpretation? <laughs> Do you want me to leave now? 
And, and so this is the wonderful thing that God has given us, the privilege of knowing him, of being cleaned up, and then he equips us to go and build his church. But he, it, him, is the one that's important, not the gifts and things. And our human flesh, we easily get sidetracked. And, and that's why love is really important, that we love one another for the sharing of these gifts which God has given to his children. So really important. And so that was essential for them then to go out into the, into the nations. And so message of salvation from sin that they took out to the nations. And here in the past tense, it says that we've been saved from the penalty of sin because... We're saved from the penalty of sin because who, who? Christ. Yeah, so Jesus took, yeah, that's right. So we have been saved once we take that step of faith. And so we're being saved from sin. We have been once that we take that, that step. And then we are being saved from the power of sin. You know, we all wage war, don't we? From, you know, it's still. None of us are perfect, are we? And so we, we still face issues. And so the power of the Holy Spirit working in us is changing our characters. And um, the fruit of the Spirit are changing characters that would love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's part of God's power in changing us into the likeness of his Son. That's work in progress, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. And so often we learn some of these things by practicing them. How do you learn patience? Get married. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. <laughs> yeah. But easy. You know. But sin is so destructive. You know, and it's so destructive. That's why Jesus had to come into the world. That's how much, uh, that's how great estimate of sin that God has. And he had to do something. And there's really good news that there'll come a day in the age to come that we will be saved from the presence of sin. Because right now, we live in a world still gripped in sin, don't we? Yes. And so, part of the story is there going to come a day when God finally removes that. And that's part of the message that they were to take out, and salvation will be complete. But we're not there yet. And so we're, we're told that. And so that, that's really, really important to, to grasp that. And so, when we think of the kingdom of God now, in this age where God sends out um, his disciples, the church, which is made up of, of Jewish and, and, and non-Jewish uh, believers from all nations, become uh, God's people. God's place is his people. So we here are God's place too, aren't we? Us gathering here, not the building, we could go down the road and be in the pub or somewhere like that, have this gathering, we'd still be the church, wouldn't we? Yes. Yeah. And so God's rule and blessing is because the, our relationship with God with the Spirit is helping us to, with our desires to love Jesus more and to follow his ways. And that's God's rule and blessing is, is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Spirit helps us, doesn't he, mm -hmm. to do that. And so this is the message that the disciples went out and proclaimed. And um, pretty amazing, isn't it? Probably one thing there that comes to my mind that it, it doesn't talk about, which really 
amazes me is grace. The grace of God, you know, the mm. forgiveness of, of sins, um, and, and um, it, you know, and the grace of God because we still sin. Mm. And it, it, it's something really hard to get your head around that, the grace of God. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's right. And we sort of touched on that a little last week, and, and you're right. You know, it's, um, it, it is baffling how patient God is with us. Because none of us would be that patient with others, would, would we? <laughs> and so that's what we need to remind us, how much grace God has shown us. But that was integral in them going out and sharing this message. All the other religions around them were saying, you've got to offer all these incense, you've got to do all these things. And so part of the battle of the early church, you know, um, is, is understanding that. That this was God's free gift. And so there's a lot of wrestling there with the Jewish and uh, Jewish um, um, people and the Jewish even the Jewish believers understanding that. You know, Paul spent somewhere between eight, ten years from his Damascus Road experience trying to rework all his knowledge and understanding that in the context of Jesus being the Messiah before he went out. You know, because um, he was so steeped in knowledge of, 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 of what a God had gone before. And suddenly, Jesus coming in here and the act of grace that he had done was hard, but it, it became apparent. So there's a lot of rethinking. And so the early church had to navigate that. What does that mean? Because God had given us a grace. And some people are concerned, people who abuse grace. You don't want to give them grace, because then they'll go out and sin and think it's okay, because God will forgive me. You heard that one? Yeah, and you know, if I if I um, if I sin more, well, I can glorify God because He can just forgive me more. Pretty good. Yeah, but those are the kind of things um, that were happening, and so you even saw, as we touched on last week, grace was in the Old Testament, the covenant with Abraham, which you might go on to. Uh, just as a reminder, stuck again. Is um, you see, God's God's grace. This is the other slide we touched on last week about the different covenants here. Um, covenant language in the Garden of Eden. Covenant with Noah, Abraham. Unconditional covenant full of grace in that. A promise. A specific covenant with Moses, which is quite different. I'll bless you if you obey me. If you don't, I'll curse you. A covenant with David, which would lead, and those will lead into that new covenant. And so for a new covenant to exist, there had to be ones previous to that, prior to that. And so God has shown a lot of grace to the people before. Because who does God give grace to? The humble. And who does he oppose? The proud. And that hasn't changed. And so that's part of the challenge with um, people sharing this news of grace. What do I do for it? How do I pay for it? How do I earn it? I, I, we're not used to doing getting things for free in our lives. Or if we do, we think there's a catch, don't we? You know, something's too good to be true. Most as, of the time. as an um, ex-Catholic, that is one of the, the biggest things that I wrestled with was the free gift of salvation. Um, yeah, the free gift of salvation, mm. as opposed to works. And even when I had become a Christian, for quite a number of years after, I still 
wrestled with that. So we're certainly called to do works, but the works come from from faith. Works of faith that God's called us, that He made, uh, given to, to us in advance. Not works to please God, but it's out of that relationship. Do you want to say something, Kathy? It's, it's a bit of a sidebar, but you kind of reminded me of it when you talked about um, God opposing the pride um, and how different the covenant of Moses is to the other ones. And my question is, why? Because in one teaching I had, God gave the commandments because the Israelites said that they would obey God. And so he gave them something that they couldn't possibly keep to, um, because they were so proud. And I, I kind of struggled a bit with that. Um, doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> yeah, there's there are some yeah, hard things in there that God said to said to them. So God made a promise through Abraham, didn't he? And then as Israel became big enough to be a nation, he says, now I want you to be a kingdom and I, of people and I want you to represent me. You're my ambassadors. And I want the world to see what I'm like. And he says, I'm going to bless you. Bless you more than any other nation. I'm going to make a covenant with you that I won't make with any other nation. And so a lot of privilege came them but God part of God's thing is if you're gonna if you're gonna do things in my name you need to represent my name properly and so God would do that and so God says when you blaspheme my name it might be by abusing someone ripping someone off or lying someone you're abusing my name you're saying I'm stingy when you lie you're saying I'm a liar um, when you give wrong sacrifices you're making me out to be a kind of God that I'm not. So he gave them all these warnings, but I will bless you, okay, and I will keep you. And so um, God has done that. So that was kind of the, the challenge for them. And if you read the second time God had given them uh, the law, I'm not still broken. He says, I want you to put them on your hearts. And he told them to that, I want you to circumcise your hearts, not outward circumcision. So we, Paul picks up that in the New Testament. But at the giving of the law, um, the second time, he says, circumcise your hearts. Okay, and if you live right, it will, people will praise my name for that. And Judah, the main tribe, it's, um, it, it's the word for praise as well. And so that you'll be my praise. That when you live right, People look at you, they're going to praise me. And so there was much responsibility. And so God preserved them all through that. So although God punished them, he still preserved them because he had made this covenant here with Abraham. And I guess that's one of the miracles of the Bible, the Jewish people still exist today because God in his grace never gave up on, on them. And that's uh, I find that pretty amazing. That's one of the reasons it gives me confidence in the Bible and in all these covenants is God doesn't give up on us. But it's a hard, yeah, it's a hard thing though, you know, and, and you can see that, but you know, there are people in there who had those soft hearts 
and, uh, and when we when we would do our own thing, then we harden our hearts. And so, for many of these the, the Israel people, having having the Bible, you know, having your Bible, is um, that was their badge of faith. Hey, look at us. And when we're done, Donald Trump <laughs> holding it up the wrong way you know, last year. It was like, hey, we got God's word. We're God's people. We're blessed. We got the temple. We're blessed. God won't do anything to us because we're blessed. And so they had lost sight. It wasn't the Bible that mattered. It was the one who gave it. And it was the same with the temple. We can do anything because God will never allow his temple to be destroyed. So we can do all these naughty stuff, but God, God won't, uh, won't punish us. And so um, they, um, they experienced those consequences because they'd lost sight of the person and focused on material things. And so that, that, that's a challenge. But yeah, I said, it comes back to that grace thing. Amongst all those Israelites, whenever one of them turned to God, even a king, King Manasseh, have you heard of King Manasseh? Son of Hezekiah, great, great king of Israel, one of the great kings of Israel. His son Manasseh reigns 55 years. It gets involved in child sacrifice. He starts getting them to involved in divination and witchcraft and doing everything that nations before them did. And he is so wicked, he gets carted off to Babylon. I think it's Babylon. Um, God removes him. And what does he do in Babylon? One of the most wicked kings of Israel. It says he humbles himself. And what happens to Manasseh? Yeah, and then he gets allowed to go back to Jerusalem. So even one of the most wicked kings of Israel had an opportunity to humble himself while he was in prison. And God lifted him back up because he humbled himself. And that's the same for a lot of these Israelites. If only they had learnt that, if they humbled themselves, God would have stepped back in and you just see that the cycle of the kings and you know, that if they did that god would have would have relented and he says i won't do it to you i'll do it to the next generation so i'm going to bless you because you humbled yourself but there's still consequences to come next generation uh, will face that what should the next generation have done turn to go they humble themselves the so god says well I'll, i won't do it on you and you see that going through. And so that's one of the amazing gifts of God's grace is that when we turn to him and humbly seek him, he'll pour out his grace. And so he did that in, in many individual circumstances. But as a nation, they were wearing the badge, the badge of God. And so they had responsibilities as well as those privileges. But individuals, I said, um, bless that. And all the writers of all these books, bar one, were who? Jewish. Jewish. Paul says all the laws, all the blessings, all the covenants, all the laws, all the priests, all came through the Jewish people. So they were still amazingly blessed in all of that. But individuals suffered consequences when they hardened their hearts. But I find that amazing, that's like Manasseh, 
Now, even in the prison, he encountered God after all that he had done. What a gracious God. Does that kind of help? I know, it's, you'll never no, put no, it on. Yeah. And so all these covenants are just so important. And so you know, we call the Old Testament the Old Testament. And really it should be called the Hebrew Bible to make more sense. Because when you're saying that the New Testament has replaced the old, coven the, old, the old covenant, which one are you talking about? We touched on that last week. Yeah. Which one? And so... Now just imagine, imagine the Old Testament. No, we do get New Testaments, don't you? And we hand those out. Say you give someone the, some the, new, the new Testament. Right? What will be missing from that? All the covenants. Yeah, all the covenants. But you give someone the New Testament and they read it, they'll read these things about Jesus. What might they be thinking? What questions might they have? Lots of questions. Our first question I would ask is, please explain Second uh, Timothy 3.16 for me. Because it says the entire word is given for instruction, teaching, correction. So is this the entire scripture? And so when Paul wrote those words to Timothy, what scriptures was he referring to? The Old Testament. To the Hebrew Bible. Hmm? Yeah, from the yeah, from the Hebrew Bible, from the Old Testament. Yeah, because there was no New Testament. Yeah. Karen has got a very good point. What's that? The genealogy was Yeah, we know genealogy. So who's Jesus? Where did he come from? Where did he come from? Why is it, Why is it set in what country? What's that about? And there's a call to repent. What's that about? Yes, absolutely. Why do you need a saviour? Why, why do you need a saviour? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, if you don't know about sin, you don't know how sin came into the world, why would you need a saviour? Yeah. Why is the world messed up? Okay. And so where do you find that? Not in the New Testament. Not in the New Testament. Yeah. No. Russian. Okay. Russian. <laughs> Thank you. Was that a word, word of the spirit? Huh? Really helpful. And um, there was one thing I was going to add there. You, you put me off now. Yeah. Oh yeah. How many references are there in the New Testament to the Old Testament? Yeah, actually there's more Old Testament scriptures in the book of Revelation than any other New Testament book, and that's interesting. Yeah. And it, yeah, about 300 scriptures from the Old Testament are quoted in the New Testament. Now, on top of that, there are around 700, we think, allusions to the Old Testament, so they're not direct quotes. Because at the time of... Um, they are writing the New Testament. Okay, did they have chapters and verses? Remember we talked about that? Were there any chapters and verses? So they didn't. So they just quoted the scripture because they, they had that, that kind of knowledge. And so imagine if we did not have 
the, uh, the Old Testament, which is three quarters of what we call the Bible. Let's put a few things on here. We just sort of touched on those. But yeah, what's, what's the new and the new covenant all about? You know, if you weren't Christian, where was the old one I was part of? Because who, who was the Mosaic covenant with? People of Israel. And so the New Testament doesn't make a lot of sense. God can still speak to us through that, can't he? But in terms of understanding who God is and what he's been doing, we actually need the whole Bible. Because the New Testament says, as, as we've heard, it's a book to help us understand God, you know, the way God wants us to live. And, and the New Testament, so when, when um, Paul and the, and the um, disciples were writing these things, there, there was no New Testament. And so they were referring to Old Testament scriptures. They highly valued the Old Testament. Jesus revered it. And so, um, because the word old is probably put on it, we think it's not of much value. It's a bit of an antique. Sometimes when you read the Old Testament, you come across a bit from the New Testament, you go, oh, I thought that was, um, that's the New Testament. Well, they, what, what's it doing here? And so all of the Bible is really relevant and helpful for us, but we remember, keep losing things, we remember, is that when we say the whole Bible is useful for us, we're still remembering that we're under that covenant. And so we understand that when we're reading the Bible. We're under the new covenant. But all scripture is profitable for us, isn't it? And so that's really key. So scripture's in here. We don't apply the law of Moses to us, but it helps us to understand what about God? <coughs> what does the Old Testament help us to understand about God? His character. And there's more in the Hebrew Bible about God's character than there is. We, we get that in terms of Jesus. But having a deeper understanding of God's character. We find that in the old in the, in, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, who loves the Psalms? Yes. You know, we learn about God's character, don't we, so much in the Psalms, about his emotions. And so that's that's just that's so powerful. And that's God's word as well. And so even even in the law of Moses and, and the things that we just understand God's grace to the Israelites. You know, when God blessed them and you read the book of Numbers. We've all read the book of Numbers. I think someone was reading that the other week. And what was a key word out of the book of Numbers? Can you remember? Aaron's favourite. Wanderings? What was that? Wanderings. But what were the people doing? Oh, complaining. Complaining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we we learn a lot about God. Some of the things he, you know. He may not, may not like, but his amazing patience. God does an incredible, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, the crossing of the Red Sea. And the people say, what an almighty God. And the next minute, something goes wrong. And what are the people doing? Complaining. complaining. Yeah, it's a good job we never complain, isn't it? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah. right. was an there was an interesting question on the previous slide that says, could God make another? Could God make another new covenant? Mm. 
and uh, a pretty interesting question. Um, and the thought um, came to my mind as no, because um, when, when Jesus was crucified, he said, it's finished. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyone want to add anything to that? Yes, Hebrews 6. You may be right, but the thought that comes to me is um, I'm not going to alert my God in any way. He can do whatever he likes. And... <laughs> he can do, but what confidence do you have that God doesn't break covenants? There were all those covenants. Did God break the covenant with Moses and Moses? No. Never. Never. What, what would have been the sign if God broke his covenant with, with Moses? Yeah. yeah, my sign that I will break my covenant with the Jewish people or that they will cease to exist. And they're still there today. So God doesn't break his covenants. He certainly deals with us in ways, but that's all for heart for us to turn back to him. Well, that's the uh, new, and it's what Jeremiah foreshadowed. Yeah. 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 So that that's what the new covenant was meant to be. But uh, could he could he get could he get fed up with this one? You you see um you see where I'm coming from? So if, as as Christians, there was never an old covenant for us as Christians, was there? There was only a covenant. Because who was that covenant made with? Jesus Christ. Who, who was it made with the uh, previous covenants? Abraham. And Moses and those people. So they weren't made with us. And that's why it's not a new covenant to us. It was new to the Jewish person, but not to us. But we get introduced into it. And so you can draw into it. So it's just a covenant for us. You, you, you okay there, Catherine? I know you, you, your mind is ticking over. Yeah, so mm. that's right, I know. Absolutely, and, and so I'm 100% there. What I'm trying to emphasize is that people say, Well, God's finished with, with people because uh, they broke the covenant. So, often, one of the things you hear is that God's finished with the Jewish people because they broke their covenant. And so, if my, my point would be, if God could finish with the Jewish people. Could he finish with the church? And I don't believe he's finished with the Jewish people, and that's why I don't believe he's finished with the church. And so that this would be the the new covenant would never be broken, would never change. So I've, you know, perhaps I didn't do it in a good way, but I was just trying to draw those things out, and our confidence, our assurance that God doesn't do those things. In Hebrew, the New Testament is Brit Hadash, and Brit is actually circumcision. So it's quite interesting that it's new circumcision. It's a new cut. A new cut. When Jesus, when Jesus took the cup, um, when they had the the Last Supper. He took the cup and he says, this is the new covenant in my name. So uh, to me, this is where the new covenant uh, came. That's right. And it's sealed, it's sealed in his blood and our confidence is in that. 
and not, not in ourselves. And so it's pretty amazing. And so part of here, I just want to say, we need to value all of God's word in here. And so the disciples went out to the nations. They valued the whole Bible. And so they took out, the Bible that they took out would have been the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And so it's still valuable to us today, as well as the New, the new Testament. And covenant-wise, we're absolutely under the new covenant, the covenant that uh, God has made through Jesus. So I just wanted to and, uh, and help us to understand those things are important. And our assurances. Is that okay? Is that hello? It's a little hard. And just, just finally, as we go into the, um, just going to talk. We're about out of time. Oh, I might just look on this next time around before we jump into the Revelation. Is the New Testament just a, a bunch of letters in there, isn't it? I was really surprised when I um, I first became a Christian. And read that there were letters in there. I never thought that. So what I thought, I was amazed um, that there were letters in there. And so one of the challenges of reading some of these New Testament is you're reading a letter, you don't get the other side. And so we um, need to think about how we read about the letters of the New Testament. And so I think we might just touch on some of those things next time round before we get into that revelation, which is the coming into those you know, end times. As, as that big thing. Is, is that kind of all right? Yeah. yeah. One thing you might even pick up through, you know what we call 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians as an example? In 1, 1 Corinthians, it says uh, Paul refers to their previous letter and his previous letter. So you can see there, there must be other letters that we don't have. Paul talks about a letter to Laodicea. That's not in here. So um, it would just be good just to be able to understand that the way you read the letters. Sometimes it can, you know, um, then sometimes Paul's an answering a question of theirs or, or the people who have written to him. We need to understand those things. So we'll, we'll do that next week. But I hope that that's kind of been, been helpful. Um, any questions before we finish? Are you, ta Alana's taking it next week because I'm, I'm not here. Next week. Well, we run, yeah, well, Julie and I are just going away for, um, well, it just straddles the weekend, Five that's all. It straddles. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're deporting Ray to Wellington. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just a little bit unfortunate because we had a few weeks uh, a break. But um, uh, are these helpful talking through these things? Okay. Okay, yeah. I mean, this is what I love. And uh, I just really appreciate having David and Greta this morning. They're on that same page. And we want to be confident. We, we are people of hope. And we need to be confident in who we believe in. So that we can share. Who wrote Hebrews? Yeah, you, you can have a look at that for the next time we meet. See if you can hear. Well, there may be a reason. There may be a reason for that. Richard, um, what I really enjoyed with David and Greta, um, both yesterday and today, was the simplicity and the way that they delivered. Yeah. And yeah. that makes to a donkey like me, um, it makes a world of difference. <laughs> you can speak too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but that really did yeah. impress upon me. And I think what I'm probably saying is that I think sometimes that we complicate 
the, um, um, compl complicate the actual word of God, um, or the, me the message of God. And, you know, it's simple. He says, come to me like little children. And that, yeah, and, and that's right. But the more we know helps us to come to him as little children. And that's, that's why there's a... Yeah, so yeah, they're wonderful communicators, and so I really love yeah. them. They're very gifted yeah. that way, yeah. so it's a real joy. So we'd love to have them back here again, too. Yeah. So I found myself learning off them, too, you know, because that's right, yeah. really great ways to communicate. Yeah, yeah. so I'd love, love, love to see more of that. Yes, they wouldn't have been taped because it was a seminar and it was a training, so it just wouldn't kind of work that way. Because of the, like there's talking and then there's there's practicals things as well, so um, uh, that kind of wouldn't work. Yeah, and some of those too, but uh, it was really good. So we want to have them back again, you know, which, is, which is really good. So who would like to um, close in prayer? Would you like to, Edwin? Heavenly Father, thank you for the things that we've learned this evening, for all the preparation that has gone into this. We just pray for everyone in this coming week or three weeks, whenever we meet again, to pray you be with us and uh, just guide us in everything we do. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.